Marini's Media. And a warm welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper back with you here to get stuck into the week that saw the title race blown wide open as Chelsea stun Arsenal. Liverpool get their first win of the season over relegation rivals Bristol City in the scrap down at the bottom. And the retirement of a lioness legend as Enia Luko hangs up her boots at the age of 32. Well, joining us on today's show, it's a big welcome back to the woman who needs no introduction, Lionesses and Arsenal legend, Kelly Smith. Kelly, welcome back. Thanks for having me on again. It's we love having you. you on, Kelly. <laughs> and also to get you on in a week where we have seen one of your former Lionesses retire, Annie. We're going to speak to her later. But just your initial impressions when you heard that news. Uh, well, I wasn't shocked because obviously I worked with Annie out in Paris for the World Cup with Fox Sports. We sat on the same desk uh, and did many games together. And we talked about her retirement there. She was thinking about... Um, hanging up our boots or maybe giving it one more year. So I wasn't surprised when I heard the initial news. Uh, but I think, you know, I knew when I was ready to retire and I could sense it from her in the conversation that we had. Uh, but she had a fantastic career, over 100 caps for England, um, won a vast amount of trophies with Chelsea, the bronze medal with England. And I think, you know, it's, it was the right time for her, yeah, her. And I'm sure she's, you know, she's got a media career now. She's wrote her book um, and just love to see her flourish coming off the back of such a successful career. You get the sense that Enia Luko is definitely not done with football yet and I'm sure we'll be hearing announcements in the future as well from her. Yes, I wondered if she asked you for any advice at all. About retiring? Mm. Um, she, I just told her, you know, just try and keep as busy as possible once you do retire because it is such a big loss. It's been your whole life, your whole career, your whole focus. You get up in the morning and you, and you go training and you you give up your, your whole life. You sacrifice everything. So when that's, um, you know, you don't have that anymore, you have to keep yourself busy. You can't just lounge about on the couch and um, get fat, I should, <laughs> should say. <laughs> like she is, she's keeping herself busy with her media work. And yeah, um, yeah no, good luck to her. Well, you've had two children and still look like when you played. So definitely no getting fat. Well, I wear a bit more baggy jumpers so you don't uh, actually see my, my midriff. Uh, but no, I try and six the pack rather than an eight pack. <laughs> yeah, now, okay. right. I wish. I just, I just like to wear Spanx. They work for me. <laughs> after two kids but anyway uh, listen it's also great to be joined by Kelly on a show that's going to review what could be a title deciding game it's a big one and there's only one place to start let's get straight to Meadow Park England shots brilliant a special goal in a special game from Beth England Right. Looking for Kerr, finding Kerr! And she opens up her WSL account. Ingle hits it! Stunner! Oh, that's a once in a lifetime goal from Sophie Ingle. Anderson with the cross, Wrighton with the header. And Chelsea make it four. It 
was champions versus challengers, but Chelsea it was who stunned Arsenal to a 4-1 defeat after the home side struggled in the first half and they couldn't do enough in the second 45 minutes. There was a debut goal for Chelsea mega-signing Sam Kerr. We had people on Sam Kerr watch. We'll get them on later. Uh, she was joined on the score sheet by Beth England and Sophie Ingle. What a goal that one was after she scored a brilliant stunner. Uh, second half, the Blues went from three to four thanks to Guru Wrighton. Arsenal could only claw one back and that was down to Beth Mead. So Kelly, we have to start by asking what happened to Arsenal here? Um, that's a good question. I really, really don't know. I think Chelsea were excellent the first half. They really come out the races. They were hungry. They were confident. They were on the front foot. Um, and Arsenal couldn't find any kind of rhythm within the first, you know, opening minutes of the game. And once that first goal went in, I thought actually Zinsberg, it's a great, great strike by Beth England. But I think for, for the first initial goal, she should have done better. But yeah, Arsenal just couldn't get into the game, couldn't find a rhythm. They struggled. Uh, Chelsea were all over them. I don't know what Emma Hayes, you know, made them eat for breakfast before the game, but <laughs> they were at it. They were just, you know, <laughs> on form. And Ritan, she's a player that I, I really like to watch, especially, you know, coming off the back of a, a successful World Cup with, with Norway. Um, just, you know, set up the first two goals, scored a goal herself. She was, she was she's fantastic. in the form of her life she? right now, yeah. Um, well, we know Joe set yeah. up differently for this game, perhaps bearing in mind that Chelsea have already got the better of Arsenal once uh, before this season, focused on packing out his central areas, Victoria Schnellerbeck playing at right back. But that just meant that Chelsea dominated the wings. And, it, and you know, with his initial lineup of five across the midfield, packed it absolutely out. But yeah. that played into Chelsea's hands. It just seemed a weird and, and very different thing for Joe Montemuro to do. Yeah, I mean, changing the system and, and the structure, it didn't work. He admitted that in in the conference after um, and he took full blame for that. But I just think it, like you said, it allowed Ritan a lot of time and space on the ball. And with the quality that she has with her left foot, that direct ball that into Sam Kerr's goal, you know, was it a 40-yard pass from the left onto, yeah. onto her head? It just gave up so much possession for Arsenal on those wings and it just didn't make sense you know after the game it's on hindsight it's it's difficult to say before that that was the right thing to do it wasn't but um, yeah they really really struggled Arsenal and it ne- neglected one of the key areas of strength that Arsenal had which is their width he didn't really seem to be using that as much as he could yeah, obviously it was a tough decision to drop Lisa Evans, who's been in, mm. in good form for Arsenal, um, up and down that wing. Um, I think they just wanted to dominate the game in possession early on and it didn't work for them. And, and when you have Jiso Jan in there and Erin Cuthbert, lots of energy and, and good at keeping the ball, it just didn't work out for Arsenal the way that they planned. Well, Arsenal have never conceded first in the WSL this season and they've won 11 of their 12 previous league games with an aggregate score of 35-5. That gives you some hint as to Arsenal's dominance. Should we hear from Joe Montemuro now? He uh, spoke to Tim Stillman after the game, uh, who was writing for Arse Blog there, and this is what Joe has had to say. It's always hard sitting back and seeing a, a team so uh, so powerful and uh, putting us under a lot of pressure and creating chances. And uh, you know, the disappointing thing is that the um, you know we couldn't even get the ball down and play. We couldn't even get down and... and put passes together, which is uh, something that I haven't seen in my two and, two and a bit years that I've been here. This is an amazing team. They're an amazing bunch of players and uh, they're allowed to slip up every once in a while. They're allowed to uh, make mistakes, um, you know, but uh, if you look at uh, historically, this team uh, is, uh, is always one that'll come back and, uh, and be there. And uh, yeah, as I said, we just need to keep it together and make sure that we, uh, we, we go forward from here. And can I ask finally, uh, Caitlin Ford said that yesterday that she's leaving Sydney FC. Can you confirm whether that deal's done? 
we um, are negotiating with Caitlin. Um, hopefully things will, will be done quickly. And um, yeah, but I don't want to speculate on things that are not done to say yes or no. Tim Stillman talking to Joe Montemoro there for us um, and for Ask Blog if you want to check that out too. Uh, Kelly, is this going to unsettle Arsenal, this result? Because there was so much pinned on it. No, I don't think it will. I think it's um, a little wake-up call, um, how poorly they started the game. But they have to regroup, refocus. I'm sure they'll analyse the game and, and see where they went wrong. There shouldn't be any kind of shift in mentality from them. They need to stay focused. It's one game out of many more to come. And they still have to stay focused on the remaining games. You know, there's a, it's a three-horse race at the minute mm. um, and they don't want to slip up in the next game. Joe Montemurro, quite snappy in those responses, not happy at all. And it will be interesting to see how he dissects this. But I thought really, really strong that he's basically said that that's the worst performance that they've had in his two or so years at the club. That's pretty damning. Well, for it to come, uh, I mean, it it was a poor performance, but, um, you know, for two and a half years, you can't play that way all week, every week, mm. I think. There's always going to be a big game, a slip-up game um, in the season. This was Arsenal's. Um, like I said, they had, just have to regroup and, and not let it happen again. Um, they've got Man City in, in a couple of weeks and that's a, a biggie um, for them to, to focus on. Bringing in some transfer news potentially as well, Caitlin Ford, that would be a, a good move, would it? Oh, Definitely, yes. Yeah. She's coming in, a good, strong international player, played in many World Cups and, and Olympics, um, will bring strength and depth to the squad. Um, and obviously another Australian into into the fold. He loves those kind of players. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely strength in Arsenal. Well, talking about strength, Chelsea now look like they've settled upon, well, an awesome combination of players who are clicking together really well. We saw that with Sam Kersgill. We'll speak more about that in just a moment's time. But in terms of depth, Chelsea now look irresistible. And this, of course, plays a terrific hand of cards for Emma Hayes. We need to talk about the goal. Yes, because I think that's exactly what happens is by having that confidence and by having that talent in your squad, it allows other players to have that bit more freedom and and to just have a stab at things. And you think, Sophie Ingle, would she have gone for that in any other season? I don't think she'd have gone for that shot, but it could end up being one of the goals, if not the goal of the season. Yeah, no, you know, I think when you bring such a world-class, talented player to your club like Sam Kerr, it gives everybody a lift. Uh, the training level rises, uh, the confidence comes with the training sessions and it's just given everybody a lift at the club and when you've got Beth England that's in the form of her life, uh, you know, scoring goals like she did with her left foot, the energy, the running, the work rate that she gives you, it gives everybody this boost and, and lift and you could certainly see that from the opening minutes to be three goals up against um, Arsenal within, within 20, 20 minutes. minutes. I mean, mm. the game was kind of won at half-time. <laughs> I mean, what kind of team talk can you give, um, you know, at half-time? Just keep yeah. it going and, and maybe push for a four but the game was kind of like tied up by then. Incredibly as well, four shots and yes. four goals. So four shots on target, four goals. What, what a ratio. <laughs> that is some conversion rate, isn't yeah. it? It really is. And when you think about you've got Beth England, Sam Kerr up front, G sitting just behind them, already when you look at that lovely little triangle up front, I mean, they, they, they seem to be irresistible and you get the feeling that they've only just begun. They've had a couple of upsets this season, haven't they, Chelsea? Uh, drawing against Liverpool and um, Brighton, I think it was. And they've not always clicked, Chelsea. Mm. They've not always got off and running a bit like Arsenal have, but this could be absolutely pivotal to them. And I just think, what an awesome performance. Didier Drogba even retweeting Sophie Ingle's goal yeah. as well. I thought that was nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think this gives them a massive confidence boost, especially with the sign of the Sam. You know, going three goals up, the energy and the 
and the belief now that that gives you. I mean, we say that they don't have Champions League football this year also. So there's not that added games that they've got to play. I uh, just think everybody looks so hungry to prove and succeed mm-hmm. and, and try and push for that league title that they missed out on. And after the game, Emma Hayes said it was a Champions League level performance. This is a rivalry game and it matters. It's not a matter of life or death. It's far more than that. Wow. She's entering into Bill Shankly territory <laughs> there, isn't she? She does like playing against Arsenal. I know that much. Yes, she does. And and she'll she'll be dining out on that one for a while, I think. (laughs) Uh, There can be no other Kelly Smith. But has anyone mentioned to you a likeness between Beth England and yourself? Um, No, not so much. Um, I do like the way she plays, though. Her energy, her work rate. I wasn't a big fan of hers, I must admit, when Emma Hayes first signed her and sent her out on on loan because she couldn't couldn't get in the side. But she really worked on her game and, you know, she's put her way into the England squad um, and, you know, I think she'll be a part of the, the Olympic squad if she keeps going that way and banging in the goals. She's certainly, you know, she, she's the first name on the team sheet for me, just the way that she holds the ball up and her yeah, running. Creates. And certainly with a, a partnership now with Kerr, you could see it, little glimpses of it mm. against Reading uh, the week before. Um, and it's only going to grow and get better. And, and I'm sure there's many more goals in that partnership pair to come. One of the things that you were famous for was that movement and always being in the right place. And that instinct. She's got Yeah, she started to get that, I think. Mm. She started to always be popping up in the right place. Yeah, and mm. players aren't afraid to, to give her the ball, whereas in previous years they probably saw that she was on and probably wouldn't play her. But now, yeah. you know, once you prove yourself, and she certainly is doing that week in, week out, you want to feed the beast, as they say. <laughs> feed the beast. <laughs> Rather than feed the Viv. Viv did not get fed yesterday, <laughs> did no, she? she did not. She's um, still hungry, I think. We talked about Beth, of course, up front with Sam Kerr. It's time to check in with the reporter on Sam Kerr watch. She didn't have too long to wait in the end. Uh, she was with us on last week's WSL podcast, Alicia Ferguson. Alicia, you didn't have to wait too long for this one, did you? Tell us what it was like yesterday. It was relief for me um, after following Sam around for the last few weeks, waiting for her first goal. But yeah, it was great. Like Chelsea... Chelsea came out with the goods, you know, three goals, I think, in the first 22 minutes. I think stunned Arsenal a little bit, but they thoroughly deserved the win. So now, Alicia, do you remain on Sam Kerr watch or does this mean that this could be a busy season for you if you do? Because one goes in, the rest will follow. (laughs) I think I'm still going to be on Sam Kerr watch, but now I think I'm just on Australian watch with Hayley Rasso (laughs) signing as well. So I'm just like trying to get every single Australian over here so I can just follow them around for the (laughs) rest of the season. So you can carry on working. Uh, Yeah, exactly, that's it. Tell us us about Hayley Rasso. I know um, that Joe Montemuro has just told us that Caitlin Ford, not not definite yet but hopefully on the way what can you tell us about Hayley Rasso? Hayley Rasso well Queenslander like me so a legend in that (laughs) first and foremost but um she's a wide player she's got really good pace likes to dribble at defenders um I think she'll be a really good addition to Everton. Finally then um Ford if she does go to Arsenal that I know that's a big if how much is she going to strengthen that team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Caitlin is, um, she's a really versatile player, so she can play in any wide areas on the right or left. So it'll be interesting to see where Joe uses her when she does get there. I mean, I'm pretty confident that it is going to happen. And it did seem yesterday that Viv Miedemar was a little bit isolated. So I think actually getting Caitlin in there will be helpful to her. 
Well, Alicia was uh, part of a sellout crowd. 4,000 people watching that game, Arsenal versus Chelsea, yesterday. No room in the media space for the offside rule either. Sadly, we submitted our request a little bit late, but but this is good oh, news. Oh, dear. Well, was that our fault? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> but this is good news in terms of the demand for this game. So I think, you know, great tie. Will this blow the title race wide open? Chelsea have got a game in hand, haven't they? It's still very close. I wouldn't say it's blown it wide open. Um, I do think Chelsea have a little bit of more advantage now that they've got this um, Sam Kerr on the on <laughs> on their side, who scored her first goal and full of confidence now. So I'm just looking to see how that partnership will go. I think that her signing. Her have given Chelsea a big confidence boost. Um, yeah. You've got Arsenal. the FA Cup next for uh, Arsenal against West Ham. That's this weekend. Then they've got that semi-final in the Conti Cup against City and then City again, but in the league away from home Sunday the 2nd. So um, some crunch ties yeah, here that, for Arsenal. It looks like that could tricky. be a defining period. Definitely, yeah. It's a big moment now for Arsenal. Playing Man City back-to-back is always... Playing them one single game is, is hard, <laughs> mm. um, let alone back-to-back, um, especially when you figure, try and figure them out in one game and then you've got to try and apply a different kind of tactics probably for the second game and maybe new personnel coming in. And um, Yeah, it's a, it's a tough period right now, but I'm sure they'll um, you know knuckle down, get their heads in the right space uh, and try and get back to winning ways um, because they're going to want to you know try and retain their title. It's definitely the toughest thing to... It's hard to win the league anyway, but to do it back-to-back seasons is even harder. Um, but yeah, the, the backs are against the wall, but you know who's to say they can't come out on top? This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. OK, away from that top-of-the-table clash, let's move on to the other fixtures. And we might as well go to the bottom, hadn't we? Bristol City against Liverpool. A huge result for Liverpool, this one. They're now off the bottom of the table, thanks to a 1-0 win away from home to Bristol City. Rachel Furness could be absolutely pivotal for the Merseysiders this season, and she's proven that. A recent arrival and then got the only goal of the game early on. Bristol's much-new-look starting eleven couldn't take advantage of a penalty. So let's start with Furness. Um, I know that you know her very well as as well, Kelly. She could be the difference. Seems like she's already, um, you know, it was a great signing for Liverpool due to the pure fact that she's got experience playing in the league, um, yeah. many years under her belt, playing at the professional level. She's she's a leader, she's hungry, um, she puts tackles in in the midfield and that's exactly what Liverpool need. She's popped up with a goal um, mm. and given her side, you know, a good chance of, of potentially staying up and I think bring a little bit of confidence to their side. Meanwhile, Bristol are at the bottom of the table instead. Um, but it wasn't like they didn't have their chances. They had a good go in this game, so wouldn't want anyone to come away thinking that they were awful. They had, they had the opportunity to level the scoring in the 60th minute when Charlie Wellings was brought down in the box. Wellings stepped up but her shot too close to the Liverpool goalkeeper who cleared. Um, and some new signings for Bristol. So within the space of an hour on Saturday night, suddenly three new players have popped up for Bristol. And we've heard Tanya Oxtoby lament the lack of depth in her squad. Illness, injury has all played its part with Bristol this season. In fact, she only had one recognised midfielder. But this little flurry of signings, let's talk about those very quickly. South Korean international uh, Jiang Gaul, Wales international Megan Wynn. Uh, she comes on loan and Faye Bryson uh, has come over from Everton. I think 
Really interesting signings there. Right-sided player Megan Wynn. Faye Bryson was a, was a late sub. She was also featured in this game from Everton, 22-year-old defender. But the big star billing for Bristol, the one they're really excited about, is Jiang Gaol. She uh, was on the subs bench during this game. South Korean international. She's got over 100 caps. Also played for Melbourne Victory in Australia's W League. Uh, she's played for Western New York Flash in the NWSL. So bags of experience from this player. As we welcome another South Korean into the WSL and definitely want to watch could play a huge part in Bristol this season. It's going to be difficult for us to come in into a side that's, you know, rooted bottom and, and struggling. Um, but, you know, if, if she can galvanise the team and yeah. and kind of, you know, try and take control of, of yeah. games. But Bristol, again, don't have a lot of ball retention. So it's going to be hard for her to kind of do that. You know, with Salmon being their best, best player, mm. um, she needs to continually perform week in week out but I just I fear for Bristol um, you know these three signings could potentially make training a little bit more competitive and and help the side um, but I do fear for them at the, come the end of the season. It does feel like these teams towards the bottom of the table they need that new energy that a new signing brings and we, we saw it in the result with Rachel Furness and what she brought to Liverpool after people were screaming out including Kate sign someone help them um, and, and all they can do is answer that and they are bringing in players so from a Bristol point of view you've got to applaud that. Can I ask briefly though whether you think Bristol City are a bit misguided in bringing a South Korean international despite her experience and she'll need to really use that experience to help her teammates as well but when you look at what Liverpool have done in signing an experienced English player perhaps Bristol who we know have been watching the South Korean player for a while perhaps may be a bit misplaced with where their focus is. You could say that you just got to see how she comes and fits in with the side Um, you know it's it's a different kettle of fish bringing a big international player over um, into a side that probably doesn't have top high level international players Um, it could be frustrating for her but we'll have to see how this one plays out but you know three new signings could galvanize this side we've just got to see how yeah exactly (laughs) new faces brings new energy to the side um, and hopefully it'll help them Mm. you know lift get them off the bottom well, Liverpool did come off the better in that game. Uh, they have got Blackburn in the FA Cup next and then they go to Birmingham next weekend. Um, I have to also mention that horror injury as well to Liverpool goalkeeper Frank Kitching. Oh if you've not goodness. seen the pictures... Well, I have to tell you, listeners, that Lindsay Hooper, just off air quickly, has shown Kelly the picture. And you know what you were saying about Kelly not swearing earlier? <laughs> She's nice. just unleashed. Yes. Yes, thank you, Kelly. Uh, that is horrendous. I've never seen anything like that in my so, life. So, okay, so this is this is some going there's, for there's a player the of Kelly's experience to say she's never seen. Can we describe this, Kelly Smith? There's... A stud in it's basically wow. a stud injury and it's and it's a cut down her from the top of her forehead down. Down to her eyebrow. She's got two black eyes and it is Harry Potter scar tripled. From the eyebrow up to the hairline, that is horrendous. I mean, how did that hell did that happen? No, I, that's what I was wondering: is how on earth? Because it does look like a stud mark at the top of her head. How on yeah. earth is she must have gone in for a ball? But I mean, training has to be competitive at Liverpool, by the sounds of it. I mean, it has to be very competitive. <laughs> like she needs a lot of bio or oil on that to get that scar oh, away. That yeah. is that is horrific. If you want to enjoy the Gore Fest, um, I think that there are some pictures on the BBC, but also you can head over to Fran's Twitter in her media section if you if you like. That that kind of thing. If you're queasy, that is not for you. Oh, we're by. not encouraging people to... <laughs> no. Oh. Um, right, shall we move on to Manchester United Tottenham next? Yes, Manchester United. They move above last season's championship rivals Tottenham. Uh, that's because they had a 3-0 victory in murky weather. I tell you what, it was so foggy. I, I could barely see the players through the TV highlights. 
Uh, it was at least Sports Village, uh, huge fog issues, but it didn't stop it being a good game. Katie Zellum provided two goals and an assist, while Jess Sigsworth was also on target. The only blemish for Casey Stoney was the red card awarded to Ella Toon in the final moments of the game. Katie Zellum, great in midfield again, pretty underrated actually coming into this season I think but she's one of those players who keeps popping up again and again and producing the goods yeah definitely she seems like she's a leader on this side um very calm composed on the ball popping up with goals um leading by example and she's very good with the ball at her feet and I think when you've got someone like that um that's composed it really calms you know the players in the Manchester United side so yeah I like watching her play given the conditions this was a match where you really want to be a midfielder or you want to be a striker you definitely don't want to be a goalkeeper <laughs> or defender for this no exactly it was I like UK I was trying to watch the the highlights and it was just so foggy you were just trying to make <laughs> out the players um but no, I think, you know, Spurs' first half were very tight and compact and made it very, very difficult. But the, se- the second half, the game seemed like it was a little bit more exposed and, and open. And Manchester United have been struggling a little bit of late um, with form. But it's good to see them back to winning ways uh, with the both sides that have come up, obviously, um, last year, fighting it out. And Manchester United were, yeah. were good enough to come out on top. You know, this... This I want to say fisticuff, but it wasn't fisticuffs at all. We've actually seen this from Manchester United before this season, the kind of pushing. So Ella Toon came on as a sub and there was a bit of argy-bargy, I suppose, is what you'd call it. Do we know what what happened there? Because there, there, there is a slight, I would say, I'd have to express some concern about a slight discipline issue at Manchester yeah, but United. you would say discipline issue, and I guess Casey would say that's many... hunger, that's showing that they, they're up for the fight, that they're going to leave something in there a little bit. The thing that I've taken away is that we came into this season, we started this podcast saying, you know, you don't see that many yeah. red cards in the women's game. I remember one of yours. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but we are seeing more, aren't we? I think it's good. You know, it shows the feistiness and the character within the side that there are winners and... They won't take any any crap kind of thing. But it is foolish in a way because now Ella will miss three games because it's uh, a straight red. Um, and I think she's only just come on, hasn't she, for yeah. this opposition. Yeah. So now she's going to have to sit a month out, which is frustrating for her and for Casey. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it does bring a bit more excitement to the game when you see stuff like that. I only mentioned it because Lauren James had a red didn't she? And we and and we talked about last year whether that was her sort of her her still growing into her maturity. She's still a, a young player, and I can see the feistiness in Lauren when you know she was at Arsenal for that one season where we trained together, and she certainly had it there. So you know, when you're 16, 17, you're not going to change like that. You have to earn your stripes within the league. You have to have in case you have her arm around her and try and calm her down in certain situations, trying to teach her that you can't do that and I think and as long as it isn't like a career ending sort of injury, if it's a bit of needle that's a bit more forgivable as a manager, isn't it? Is, is Casey not sort of pulling her to one side going, Okay, well we're gonna miss you for three games now. That was a bit stupid, but I'm liking that you, you're getting up there. and you... Yeah, definitely. I'm sure she'll be saying that. I like the hunger, the, the feistiness to put the tackle in, um, but you need to learn from this. You can't, This can't be a repetition within you and your career. Tottenham, they've been unable to string back-to-back wins together uh, since September. Is this a problem that they can't, when they've had a good result, make that count in the next match? There seems to be something going wrong in between fixtures. Is that something, you know, directed at training? I don't know. I'm or complacency? On, I don't or? know. I'm not there on the, the training pitch. But, I mean, when you're a new side coming to the league, it's it's hard to get a win, let alone back-to-back wins. So I'm sure they're just looking every game to try and pick up three points. If they can't, um, try not to be beaten. 
But yeah, I think they'll just swallow that one. Because it's um, it's FA Cup, isn't it, next? So it's Barnsley. Okay, so back to potentially back to winning ways with um, you know playing a team that's that's a lower down, and then yeah, it's always hard when your team coming up to get back to back wins. But once you do, you know potentially could get another win. It's it's very very hard. Well, Everton's Chloe Kelly got to take home the match ball, scoring a magnificent hat-trick against Reading. The 3-1 victory included an early goal from Kelly before Farrell Williams equalised from the penalty spot. But Kelly went on to score direct from a corner. Uh, Awesome, again. Uh, And uh, she met across in the 65th minute to seal the win. Well, we're delighted to say that we can actually speak to the hat-trick hero herself, Chloe Kelly. We had her on at the beginning of the season as well. Uh, Chloe joins us on the phone. Chloe, it feels like every time we get you on, you've just scored a hat trick. It's not a coincidence, I, I promise you. Um, but you you were easily the standout player again here. And um, you must have enjoyed this one against Reading, seeing as they're so close to you in the table. Yeah, it's uh, been a great season so far individually, but also as a team. So uh, to get the three points after a few games where we've not picked up points was very good for the team and also individually. You didn't play, did you, against Manchester City last week? Was that motivation for you to come out and uh, teach your manager a lesson? Uh, yeah, I picked up a knock in training, so I was disappointed not to be uh, with the team last week. But yeah, I worked hard in training this week to get back in the squad. And yeah, uh, I think the team wanted to right our wrongs against Man City, and I think we did just that. Well, usually we would ask you all the questions, Chloe, but seeing as we've got Kelly Smith in the studio, um, I'm guessing you might want to ask her a few questions of being a goal scorer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no yeah. I, I want to ask Chloe one. Hi, Chloe. How are you? Hi, are you OK? Good. I'm good, thanks. Um, you know, obviously, we were on the same team at Arsenal for, for a few seasons and I've just seen you progress since moving to Everton. Uh, can you just tell tell us a little bit about your secret to scoring in the in the league this year so so much are you doing extra striking work staying behind you know how come you're, you're scoring these hat tricks and and doing well and the team's really thriving are you doing extra work away from everything yeah definitely I think uh, we have opportunities after training to put extra work in so when we can we try and do that and yeah I think it's just having confidence in front of goal and the team backing me to get in those positions I think Willie always says like if I'm in the position to shoot then have a go because at the start of the season uh, yeah I scored a few goals and I think I put the work in in pre-season and going into the season I was confident and yeah, I think I'm showing that now, hopefully. No, brilliant. And it seems to me like you take your shots very early, so the goalkeepers aren't really set. Um, even a couple of time goals that I've seen you you strike, you know, you strike way before that, that you should, and it just seems as though you're just so comfortable in front of goal. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think I work hard on the analysis side as well, trying to uh, see where I can do better and seeing the goalkeeper analysis. That was something that we work on uh, here at Everton, watching the goalkeepers and how we can uh, counter well, it's certainly working. Keep up the good it work. It is. Do you, do <laughs> Thank you think you that you much. do you think you might be in the mix for the She Believes Cup? I'd like to hope so, but I'll just get my head down and work as hard as I can until then. And yeah, hopefully I'll get the call from Phil. But if not, I'll keep putting the work in, and my time will come hopefully Fair play. when it's right. Mm. Yeah, you keep giving him something to think about. We need to ask you about the Merseyside derby as well. Your chance uh, to show your skills in front of hopefully a much bigger crowd at a much bigger uh, stadium. Are you excited for this one? This is happening in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, definitely. I uh, missed out on the last derby, and uh, definitely I want to get out there and show what I'm capable of in front of a big crowd. I think. Uh, it's a massive thing playing in front of big attendances and yeah I think we can't shy away from it and we got to show what we 
what they're capable of in front of a big crowd because we're not getting the great crowds at uh, Southport at the minute, so we want to try and get some Evertonians out there and support yeah. us. Everton are now up to fifth in the table. Does that surprise you? It does me, yeah. Um, especially where they've been the past couple of seasons. I think they've some, made some great signings. You've got, like, we just seen, uh, heard from Chloe Kelly in the form of her life, scoring hat-tricks here. Um, yeah, it's just been a pleasure to watch them play and, and, and learn and progress. And I think they've got a great manager in Willie. Mm, we haven't even seen Izzy Christensen on the pitch for them That's yet. That's going to be another, up a knock, yeah, so, another so good signing. It was interesting, um, Everton captain Lucy Graham said after the game, I thought the main focus was to bring some heart and desire to the game and we did just that. We played Reading at their own game, which was to be strong and physical and there's that little competition, isn't there, between Everton and Reading in the middle of the table between fifth and sixth. You wonder how far that's going to go, probably all the way down to the wire. I think, I I mean, it's interesting from Everton because we we, we have seen some strong performances from them and then we've seen some pretty weak, lacklustre performances from them when it hasn't all clicked together. Whereas we know what we're going to get from Reading, they're strong, organised, physical. We don't always know what we're going to get from Everton and they've got some new signings to come into play as well. So for me, they look like a really exciting team in this league. And they're quite young too um, and seem really together, um, all singing from the the same hymn book and um, very young, very vibrant, willing to put the work ethic in. And like Chloe said, there's opportunities for them to stay after training um, and they seem like they're doing that and putting the extra work in to to get them to to a mid-table position. On to West Ham against Brighton and it was a great comeback for the Hammers. A late double from Alicia Lehman denied Brighton a much-needed win after Danique Kerdyke gave the visitors the lead in the first half. 2-1 was the final score, West Ham remaining eighth in the table. Both sides went into this off a loss and I imagine that Brighton are going to be feeling this one more. Yeah, yeah, because actually they had some really good chances. It was a bit of a scramble for Kerdyke's goal. That was in the 24th minutes. Uh, the referee's assistant in the end had to rule that the ball had crossed the line. But Brighton had some good chances. They were the better side in the first half. Fern Whelan had a go. In fact, Brighton had more shots on target overall. Hope Powell afterwards, though, ruining her side's failure in their finishes during the game. I wonder if Kelly, this could be a turning point in West Ham's season because they have struggled this season to find any consistency. They have, yeah, in any kind of rhythm and, you know, picking up points on a consistent basis. Um, but their their second goal, Lehman's second goal, was straight from the goalkeeper of West Ham. It was a route one kick straight through the heart of Brighton. I think Hope Powell will be, you know, really mad at this because to allow a goal just, you know, straight down the the side of the pitch, 83rd minute, um, is heartbreaking for them because, like you said, they were the better side. They had chance after chance and just didn't put the ball away. Um, But West Ham, yeah, um, have struggled of late just to find that consistency and that rhythm. But yeah, I'm sure Matt Beard will be, you know, doing everything that he can to get them back to winning ways. He's never shy in sort of taking the blame. He went on to Twitter after after this performance and said, I got it wrong in the first half and the players deserve a lot of credit for their second half performance. Um, admirable? Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you want a manager that, that takes that role and responsibility. If it doesn't work out, that he takes that on his shoulders. You have respect for a manager that does that because sometimes it's too easy to, to blame the players. Um, but he's a winner. He want, will want to get back to winning ways. 
which he has and, and try and get that next win next mm. week. I don't know, it was interesting because after the game a couple of weeks ago, he just basically said the other side wanted it more than us. And that was, you know, Matt Beard's typical straight talking that his side weren't up for it enough. But if they are up for it now, uh, well, it's about time because they've got a tricky run of fixtures coming up. Arsenal in the FA Cup at the weekend. Then they travel to Chelsea in the WSL. Then they host Man City in the Ooh. league. So, I mean, they are three absolute stingers, aren't they? Good luck to West Ham, though. Well, let's wrap up the games from the weekend. While Arsenal and Chelsea were battling it out, Manchester City got the job done with a routine 2-0 victory over Birmingham at Damson Park. And the game started in explosive fashion. Did somebody say commentator's curse? It's all about how Birmingham start, isn't it? And so important that they don't concede early because Manchester City are capable of really running away with it if that happens. Early chance here, Jill Scott. Oh, inside. 34 seconds, the perfect start for Manchester City, a disastrous one for Birmingham. Ellen White bagging her fifth goal in nine appearances in the league after just 34 seconds. Kira Walsh doubled City's lead on the 65th minute with a powerful long-range shot which went in off the post. So what does all that mean in the WSL? Well, Man City sit top of the table, but only on goal difference and one goal in it at that. 28 compared to Arsenal's 27. But it's Chelsea who are the real winners this weekend. You have to remember that they have that game in hand, which is crucial. They sit just one point behind their two rivals. Down at the bottom, that victory for Liverpool sees them move to six points, level with Bristol City, but crucially off the bottom of the table, thanks to their vastly better goal difference. Minus nine compared to Bristol's minus 29. Oh, the <laughs> facial expression on Kelly's face. Birmingham are just a point better off with seven and Brighton sit on nine. Should we wrap up the Conti Cup results yes, quickly? Yes, let's do it. So the quarterfinals took place last Wednesday evening. The big guns all progressed in this one. Holders Man City were comfortable 4-0 winners over Brighton. Chelsea beat Aston Villa 3-1. Arsenal edge past Reading 1-0. And Manchester United recorded a 2-1 win over Brighton. The draw for the last four took place on Saturday. This sees Arsenal play Manchester City and Manchester United. Could have been another Manchester derby, couldn't it? But instead, Mm. Arsenal play Manchester City and Manchester United play Chelsea. Yeah, those semi-finals will be played on the 29th or 30th of January. And in terms of the final venue, it was Bramall Lane last year. This year, did you remember what it was? Nottingham Forest <laughs> City Ground. I was just putting you both on the spot. You're like, <laughs> That's a nice stadium. 29th of February, is it? Very nice stadium, yeah. Okay. 29th of February, that one. At the top of the show, we talked about Enia Luko's retirement. Let's reunite you with a, a lioness who had many years together playing. Um, and let's get Enia on the phone. Well, Ennie does join us now. Uh, you left Juventus in December. You've obviously had some thinking time, Ennie, and we, we got your announcement last week. Uh, was that a difficult decision to come to? Yeah, of course. It was really difficult. Um, you know, obviously, I've played football since I was five years old, so football is part of me, uh, and it's scary. It's like chopping your arm off or your leg off. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately, um, I think it was it was more of a kind of head decision in the sense that you know, at 32, leaving Juventus, you know, won everything there was to win out in Italy. And then it's a case of, you know, do I want to sort of drop down a level and, and play at a lower level and sort of the daily grind of training, um, that that came into my mind, whether that would motivate me. But also there's, you know, there's other things kicking off off the pitch that are going to sort of help my future career off the field um, that I can't sort of keep putting on hold. 
Um, so I had to kind of really think about what the next three, four years look like versus, you know, another one year contract in football or six month contract in football just for the sake of it, really. Um, and that's what was really the big decision for me was it was time. It was more of a timing issue. Yeah, because I think 32 any uh, is quite young to retire. I mean, I tried to play for as long as I possibly could. And I remember Brent Hills, our assistant coach um, with England, um, saying to me, "Play Kelly, play for as long as you can because you don't want to regret it. So um, at 32, I still feel like you've got a good um, amount of, <laughs> you know, three or four years in you running down that wing, yeah. sprinting past everybody and putting the ball in the back of the net. It's just a shame that I think you've, I mean, you're your own person. You know when you when to hang up your boots, but I still think you've got a few more year, years left in you. Yeah, and a lot of people have said that to me, that it is very young and, um, you know, I definitely, it's not a physical thing, you know, I only left Juventus six weeks ago and was, you know, starting in the team and so it's it's definitely not physical. I think it's more of a, um, you know, just a mental motivational thing. You know, I'm the kind of person that I really like to be motivated, driven and inspired and if I don't, if I feel like that's waning, then it's just not it's just not what I, where I want to be. So that was the hardest part, really, just being like the question marks and the doubt and saying, oh my god, I could actually play for another three, four years. But it's not that's not the point. I think it's more okay. Where would you play? At what level? Um, I think once you know Kelly, once you've tasted sort of the highest level, Chelsea and Arsenal, and you know winning trophies and Juventus, it's quite hard to then, you know, drop down. Um, certainly from a playing perspective, drop down to a level where, you know, it's just not the same quality or, you know, that the coaching might not be as good or the training facilities might not be as good. You sort of get spoilt. And I just didn't know whether I'd become frustrated quickly with that kind of environment. So I don't know. I don't know whether I've made the right decision. No, to be no we don't want to play, um, place any doubt. You have. No, 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 no. But that's fine. I think that's totally fine. You know, I think I, I'm fortunate to have a good mates in, in Kaz Carney and Claire Rafferty, who obviously just retired recently themselves. And, you know, the last six months we've talked a lot and, and they've been very honest with me and said, look, and it's tough. Like, it's not something that's like, right, that's a decision, bang, it, it, it feels great. It, you've, it has to sit with you for a long time. And mm. I think the main thing is for me is that, like, you know, there'll be an announcement soon, but I'm, I'm staying in the game and, you know, I'm going to be very involved day to day still with the game and I'm going to be doing media and stuff. So it's not a complete divorce, if you like. You know, you're still sort of talking to your ex. Any, we read your thank you letter or it should be a love letter to football. Yeah, really. and then she's talking about love. She's talking about yeah. divorce. So. In, the, uh, in the players' love tribute. Love letter, definitely. Yeah, beautifully written, talked about football giving you the dream of playing in the US the pride of representing England of course those winning titles at Chelsea I think you know football's defined a lot of the person you are but also it's important to say that there is there is probably hopefully has to be something really exciting for you around the corner because you and football are not finished yet are you you might finish playing but you and football are not finished yet. Can you give us a hint as to what you've been looking at? I know that when you came and spoke to us here on the podcast, you spoke about being interested in director of football positions and and yeah, and yeah. you know having a position of seniority within a club. Yeah, so that's going to be it. Okay, it's it's um, you know it's a sporting director role at a club. 
um, women's club. Um, I wish I could tell you the club, but it's not. It's not been announced. <laughs> okay, yet, fair enough. So <laughs> she tries. She does try. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's very much going to be the role. And I think with my background, um, you know, legal background, and you know, understanding sort of the business of sport, um, and just being generally just really passionate about where the women's games go in, that's something I'm really, really excited to do. Um, just to kind of make you know, executive decisions, I suppose, about the culture of the game and, you know, where the game's going in terms of commercial and, and all that branding and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be my role. I think I've always said that I'm, I'm not, I didn't think I could ever go into coaching, um, but, you know, I'll still be involved in sort of recruitment of players and um, and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm yeah, still going to be doing the yeah, exciting yeah, times. And whilst we've got Kelly in the studio, I also want to talk to you about your favourite goal because it was in an England shirt and yes. you, you commented on it on Twitter and Kelly was in that game. She was in a more advanced position. I think at first, Kelly's facial expression, yeah. I was watching back, she looked as if like, why isn't she crossing this? And then you produced this brilliant goal. Um, and then I saw Kelly's face. It was like, that is a striker's finish. Do you remember the goal in question? Kelly's Kelly's shaking her head. Uh, Reminder. Who was this against? This, this is an England goal, wasn't it, Annie? So it was against Finland, uh, 2009 Euros, um, and it was it was the quarter final, I believe, and it was in Finland. Straight from the kickoff, yeah, I that one. It now, yep, boom, it's come straight <laughs> yeah, back to go. me. It's because Annie was explaining it. Lindsay, you wasn't doing a good job explaining it. <laughs> Fair enough. I hold up my hands, um, but you, you do remember that, and your face—it just—it just made me smile because I can tell that the striker in you at the beginning is like, "I want this ball," yep, and then you like, "Well, hands down, I cannot beat that." Yeah, no, um, you know, you always want to want to sh- score yourself if you can, but you should always play yeah. the ball if you're in a better position. And I remember that. And, um, you know, as soon as any struck the ball and it went in the back of the net, then you just forget about that emotion and you go and celebrate with the person that scored the goal because obviously I was the wrong for, for wanting the ball. But, yeah, no, it's a brilliant goal by any. And, you know, she scored many more goals like that in her career. Yeah, I think... Kelly, can I just, can I just say, like, 10 years later that I couldn't actually see you? <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just went, you know, I just, I just... I couldn't see anyone. It was sort of like, all right, well, if no one's going to help me, I'm just going to go alone. You were too busy passing all those defenders, that's why. No, but any any, any had electric yeah, well, pace. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, think, I think... Too quick, I think Annie. it's one of them where it's like, you know... Yeah, it's one of them where it's like, you know, if you if you you just get and you just get that moment rush to your head and you just you don't you know, it just happens so quick and once I beat one, then I beat two, I thought, right, I'm going for it and um yeah, I've struck it really well obviously and but I think it was more the occasion that made it really like sort of the goal of my career. You know, it was Finland in Finland quarterfinal and it was just a big goal. Um so yeah, and, and I remember Kelly I remember Kelly swearing actually. I I, I no I can't swear, but she was you know, epic, <laughs> brilliant, like. <laughs> like, I can never forget that. Kelly was, I think Kelly was the first to celebrate with me, so yeah. just oh, well-deserved. We're learning a yeah. lot of things about Kelly this podcast. Didn't know you were a swearer as well. Oh, God, I was a hothead <laughs> on the pitch. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, last week we picked out some of our FA Cup fourth round fixtures, Lindsay, that we were looking out for. I'm going to be heading to the Oakwoods uh, VC Athletic to see Charlton play Chelsea. I've booked my tickets. The kids are coming. It's going to be a family <laughs> definitely getting outing. in this time. Down to South East London, down to Crayford. Do do join me flying flying the flag uh, for Charlton. Uh, as well, I, I mean, I'm also interested, of course, I am to see what Chelsea do in this one. Um, I hope that there won't be too many subs. Yeah, we did pick out some ones to watch. I'm interested to know which one Kelly Smith's most interested in. 
Well, the West Ham Arsenal one, I must say, due, due to the fact that they're two top sides um, in the FAWSL. Uh, I suppose it's in, about in the how, how Arsenal respond as well. Exactly, and it's away from home. Uh, West Ham, you know, will, will want to win that game, try and, you know, going off their FA Cup run uh, in the previous year. So, yeah, that's probably the one. Then Southampton, Crystal Palace, um, I think it would be a good one. Uh, with Crystal Palace, the London side, heading down to Southampton. Uh, Marianne Space is down there, so I think that would be a great game. Speaking of Crystal Palace, uh, goalkeeper Lucy Gillett said that she thought she was subjected to sexist abuse during Sunday's championship game at Coventry United. Um, this is something that was reported on the BBC and the Football Association have said they've been made aware of the incident and now they're looking into it. Well, the 25-year-old alleges that men in the crowd called on the referee to check the gender of several Palace players. Kelly, there's no room for that, is there? I thought we were long gone from this sort of yeah, behaviour. That's that's not good to hear. I, I, I'm like you, I didn't expect that. Um, I thought we were long past and, uh, and overdue this. It's just horrible to hear. Um, very disheartening. Um, you see the way the women's game is progressing and evolving and changing a lot of people's perceptions of the game and that there's no place for that in the game at all. Well, the final item on any other business is dedicated. Well, in fact, the whole podcast, no, it isn't. Not the whole podcast, but the final item of any other business dedicated to Tim Cahill. We mentioned earlier the transfer of his compatriot, Hayley Rasso. She's gone to Everton and he was involved in a rallying cry on the Everton women's Twitter feed. Listen to this. Hi, everyone. I've got some exclusive great news. Everton Football Club is signing another Australian, a dear friend of mine. She's played in the MLS, the A-League, World Cups, Australian Matilda's superstar, Hayley Rasso. Well, that'll be the first time that a woman's played in the MLS and the A-League. Getting his leagues a little bit confused there. I think we, from us, at the offside rule, nice one, Timmy. That's all from this week's show. We'll be back with more next week as ever with all the reaction to a busy weekend of FA Cup action. Now be sure to take a look at the website. We've got Jasmine Bubba's look at the growth of the women's game and the momentum it's gaining. Plus, we've got our weekly five things the WSL showed us. That's from Jesse Parker Humphreys. Uh, that, that lands pretty much every Monday on OffsideRulePodcast.com. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming in again. Busy week ahead? Um, no, I've got a quiet week, Ooh, actually. nice. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> I hope to. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming in. Yes, a big thanks from me uh, to Kelly Smith. We'll see you after the FA Cup weekend, folks. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL Edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Muddy Knees Media.